Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans. Chapter 11. Here's Pastor Ryan. Good morning, my friends. We had a wonderful time yesterday at the Be Brave Men's Conference, and that was just tremendous blessing. Um, super stoked, super blessed. To be brave. To be brave is uh, and, and courageous. They're synonymous, but it means to you know, uh, be willing to stand strong, you know, really against um, adversity. Uh, it's not the absence of fear. It's, uh, you know, standing strong in spite of fear. And, and the, as you know, that it is the Lord that is our strength. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, power, but of a love and of a sound mind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, our strength is from the Lord, and that is what we all desperately need today. Desperate for strength to stand for His Word, to stand and to do the things that God has called us to do. It isn't enough just to hear a message or to read the Word of God at all. Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who just read the Word of God or just hear the Word of God, but He said, those who hear these sayings of mine and does them. I liken him to a man who built his house on the rock, a wise man. So um, I keep that in mind. So that's kind of uh, was the theme. Being brave, being strong, and we need to. We need to be doers of the word. All right, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 11, please. That's Romans chapter 11. And give me an amen once you are there. And Father, we do come before you this morning with thanksgiving and praise for who you are, for all that you've done in our lives and all that you're doing. Lord, you are the God of Joshua. You are the God of Moses, the God of Elijah. You are the maker of heaven and earth. There are no other gods but you. We thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, you raised him from the dead. And he's at your right hand, even now praying for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, pray. Pray for us. And help us to receive your word this morning, Lord. You know every need here. Even before we ask you, you know what we need. And so, Lord, speak to us. Give us humble hearts and pour out your grace. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, so Romans 11, as you know, Paul is dealing with the sovereignty of God. God is all-knowing. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows everything. He knows things before they ever exist. He, he knew what lives we would live before we were even formed. He knew what you and I would do. And so in his sovereignty, in his power, in his knowledge, he knows this world. He knows the people in this world who will have hearts to receive from him and who would be hard-hearted and prideful and reject him. 
And so Paul is dealing with that sovereignty when it comes to the nation of Israel. This is Jesus' people according to the flesh. This is Mary. This is all of the, the uh, wonderful uh, apostles. And the church started with the Jews. And here the gospel has spread out throughout the known Roman world. And this letter, uh, the book of Romans, to the church at Rome, the question has to be asked, why is there so many Gentiles, non-Jews, coming to know Jesus and so few of God's own people, according to the flesh, the Israelites? Why are so few of them receiving the gospel? And it's because of God's sovereignty that God would set aside Israel for a time so that God can work with the Gentiles and pour out his spirit there uh, for a time. The Jews believed in their own righteousness that was by the law and by their traditions, but God's eternal righteousness is by grace. In God's uh, estimation, calculation, it is only by grace. It's a free gift of salvation that God gives. All sinful man has to do is believe in him. Repent and believe. That saves us. No works. This was a stumbling block uh, for the Jews, as it is for many people today, people who want to believe that they can be right with God by their own merit, uh, their own family traditions, their own good works, or their own feel-good philosophies, my favorite worst one is the most common one is well i think i'm a good person because i never fill in the blank usually killed somebody (laughs) but these are man-made philosophies you know i'm I'm not that bad well who are you you know judging yourself or gauging yourself with other people nowhere in scripture does it say you will be right if you're better than your neighbor it says We've all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot match his innocence, his purity, his holiness. But the good news is that the Holy One, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah of Israel, died in our place. He did it. So it's only by faith in him. No one can be saved by these things. Family traditions and the keeping of religious rules. You can't get saved by those Uh you know, it's only by God, lest anyone should boast. Paul quoted scriptures um, concerning concerning uh, uh, Israel and concerning the Gentiles uh, and God's sovereignty in the previous chapter. He he quotes uh, in chapter ten, uh, there in verse nineteen. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, verse nineteen, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. And he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21, where God is is, uh, rebuking the Israelites because they had believed in false gods and idols and such. And so the Lord responds to them, because you have done this, I'm going to provoke you, right? Since you didn't believe in me, there's going to be a day, Israel, that I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. Speaking of the Gentiles, non-Jews, I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. 
And then he continues on in chapter 10, verse 20. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those uh, who did not ask for me again, speaking of the Gentiles, right? That there's going to be, that God is saying, I'm, I'm going to be found by those who didn't seek me. I'm, I, was, I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary uh, people. And so in God's sovereignty, one day the Gentiles were going to come into the family of God, into the family of faith. And it was predicted long ago, even through Moses in Deuteronomy, of foolish people, people who's not even a nation, people who aren't even looking for me are going to find me. And that really is the story of the church today. That's my story and your story. We were not seeking after God. And sure, people are seeking to fill the gap in their heart, but it wasn't like we said, it must be Jesus Christ that will fill this gap we were just trying everything so I would say at best we were kind of open to suggestions I showed up to Epiphany Church after a drug infested night and just sitting there you know coming off of drugs like is this the answer and then I went to you know the things of the streets are these the answers the drugs, the alcohol, the playing around, the perversion. Are these things going to fill the gap in my heart? So I was open to whatever, but I wasn't looking. I shared with you, I went to a taco stand in El Monte to, again, get over the drinking that I had done the night before. I was hungover. And a guy said to me, a black brother said to me, nice tattoos, you ever get a chance, read this. And he gave me a Gideon Bible. I did not ask for that Bible. Do you see what I'm saying? I wasn't looking. I was looking to get over my hangover and eat some tacos. But yet, I found God along the way. That's our story. That one day, those of us who aren't, you know, have this strict religious traditional background, that we would find a foolish nation, of course. I'm a, yeah, I'm part of the foolish nation. So are you. We found him. If indeed you have found him. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. Are you kidding? You would manifest yourself to me? You would love me? You would call me your own and your friend with all of the, the, the disgusting sins that I've done in my past? You will love me? You will show yourself strong. You will adopt me as your son, as your daughter. You will, you will, I mean, how has he manifested himself to you? To you who weren't even looking for him. But he knew that you would re respond to his grace. He knew it. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Why were they disobedient and contrary? Why aren't they? Why is it, is it a stumbling block for them to believe? Because they can't get over their traditions of keeping the law that, is, that in their minds, it establishes them as righteous before the Lord. It establishes them righteous before the Lord. 
They can't get over that, that pride. And there are many people today who are very religious, very pious, very disciplined. They will go to great lanes to keep religious traditions. And when you come and you share that a person is not saved by the keeping of these religious traditions, but by faith in Christ alone, and that we do good works in response to being saved, it's, it's a stumbling block as it is for the religious Jews. Because it's like, I'm okay with God. I don't need the gospel. I'm okay with God because I've done these things. I've been, I was baptized as an infant. I pray to the Virgin Mary. I, the, I, whatever it is, the traditions that are out there. And Jesus would tell the most religious, traditional man, Nicodemus, by night, you, you must be born again, teacher of Israel. You who'd keep all of these rules and think that you're okay with God. I'm sorry, that's not God's righteousness. That's your righteousness. The law wasn't made to make you righteous. It was made to make you guilty. And so with, with the keeping of religion, there's, it, it creates a pride that Satan is very happy with. Because he, he is the king of pride. Look at me. Look at me in all my, you know, splendor and, uh, and, and robes. And God would say, I, I called the foolish things of the world to confound the wise that no man shall glory in my presence. So, his sovereignty, Israel would be put aside, the Gentiles will come in. Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 11, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. Emphatically, Paul says, right, he asks the question, is God done with his people Israel? Is he done with the Jews? The, the Jewish people are a heavy topic for God and our Bible and Christianity, right? I didn't say the Mexican people. I didn't say the Hawaiian people or the Arab people like I am. It's, it's, the, it's the Israelites. It's the Jews who were given the Ten Commandments, who were given the laws, who were given the, the sacrifices and the services to the temple. They are a very big topic in our Bible because it had to do with one day the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and he was. One day he will, the Messiah will come and preach, and he did. One day the Messiah will come and be crucified for our sins, and he was. And one day the Messiah will come and be resurrected, and he did come. And our Bibles tell us that certainly not, he is not done with Israel. He just isn't. And we should proclaim it proudly. We should be interested in what happens to Israel, even today, because God is not done with them. He has not cast away his people. And then Paul says, certainly not, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. It's, it's as if he's seen, you know, you talk about Jews. 
I too am of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, of all tribes. What tribe are you from? I'm from the tribe where the first king of Israel came from, Saul, the tribe of Benjamin. And yet, here I am as a believer. Paul is proof that God is not done with the Jewish people. Paul is saying, look at me, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm I'm of the seed of Abraham all day long. I'm not done. You know, and you think about uh, Paul, if Paul the apostle, you know, who was Saul before he was converted, right? You know, his name was Saul before he was converted. He was was totally convinced as a Sanhedrin, as a Pharisee, as a religious man. He was totally convinced of his own righteousness before he came to Christ. He adhered to the law. But yet, Paul, who thought his righteousness came from religiosity, was born again. And we've just been sharing, God has been teaching us that that they stumble because they are trying to establish their own righteousness by the keeping of the law. That's exactly what Paul did, and he got saved. So if he got saved, then they can be saved too. God's sovereign plan was always for Israel to one day rise again by faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. As his sovereignty was for them to be set aside, for the Gentiles to come in, it's also that Israel will come back. That's going to be great. Unfortunate, unfortunately, there are certain groups of theologians who today, and church denominations who today declare that God uh, has cast away his people. There are churches who believe that, that God is done with Israel. Replacement theology it's called, and, 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 and it says that the church has, has taken over the place of Israel, that the promises to Israel are now for the church. And they don't know what to do with prophecy, because all of prophecy is pointed to Israel. You know, as a Christian, we should know eschatology. We should know that if you want to know what's going on on the prophetic time clock, Look at what's happening with Israel. Because the book of Revelation, read it. Read it through the great tribulation. When the church is out of here, there's a lot happening in Jerusalem. There's going to be 144,000 Jews, uh, virgin young men Jews from the tribes of Israel that are going to preach during the great tribulation. There's going to be the two witnesses that are going to be uh, preaching in Jerusalem that will be struck dead uh, by the people but then resurrected after three days. And they will cause plagues upon this Christ-rejecting world and the world will celebrate when they are killed. But then they will rise again and then they get raptured up in front of everybody to see it. They get snatched up, taken back. All of this is future tense. It's coming. The Antichrist, according to Daniel, is going to make a peace treaty to be able to build the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD after Jesus was resurrected and crucified and resurrected. Like he said, it would not one stone will be left upon another. That, that temple is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem, according to your Bible. It, 
Israel is is a big, big thing in the Christian faith because all of these prophecies are pointing to it. Amen? So he is not done. And again, yeah, there are there are these theologians. I think that, that theology is from from Satan, actually. No doubt he's he's uh he's probably the dean of some of these seminaries out there anyways. But if you think about Paul, and we've shared the stumbling block is traditions, man. I mean, but yet God God touched his hearts so that that Paul laid down his his religion for relationship. And he let God be God and realized that the rabbis that had been teaching him were just men following traditions of men. E, right? Men following traditions of men. Show me in the Bible where I am to baptize a baby. Can't do that. Show me in the Bible where I'm to pray to saints. Peter of all people. <laughs> you can't. Some Pope long ago said you ought to do it. And the Bible does say what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. But obviously it's according to his word. You can't do something that's not biblical and say this is what God wants. He wants us all to stand on one leg. I'm the pastor. I say everyone has to stand on one leg. You're crazy, pastor. It's not biblical. And I'd say high five. Because, yeah, that's why you have your Bible. So you can hold me accountable that I'm teaching what God says, not just what. And if you think about these, these like the Council of Trent and all of these old kind of uh, councils and meetings that they had in their history, you know, a lot of the reasoning for their decisions was financial. You get money for these things, purgatory, all of that stuff, praying family, indulgences and all that. But anyhow, here I was before I knew Jesus. You know, I had this black onyx stone with the Virgin Mary on it, and it was like a gold around it, real pretty. And then I had this like gold diamond cut play. We call it a player chain, chain, because I was a player. And so, you know, Clarissa thinks it's disgusting, but she's right, you know. But I mean, it's sad because I was a, I was a, I was a young punk womanizer kid, you know. That that's I just you know. How boys in the world who have no instruction and no guidance and live to their own perversions, that's who I was. But I thought, since I had that medallion, is that what it would be? A medallion? I don't wear jewelry. A medallion, right? And, you know, somehow, in my own philosophy, it would bring me some good luck. But yet I was living in perversion and sin and wickedness. Just to show you how God reached down and saved that guy. And God reached down and saved Paul, who thought, I'm straight with God. I'm good with God. God saved that guy, too. I was watching a documentary the other day of of a Mexican mafia member who gave his life, bless you, who gave his life to the Lord. And he was one of the most notorious assassins, murderers 
for the Mexican mafia. And he flipped on the gang, you know, he, he became a state witness against them because the Lord told him that he needed to, to stop the darkness of what he used to be. And so he came to know Jesus. All of that killing, not killing, all of that murdering. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.